Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. It's Gary Parish. It's Sunday, December 27, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And obviously, we will eventually get to top-ranked Gonzaga and discuss what Mark Few's team did to the reigning national champions this weekend because, good Lord, it was a beatdown. Just an incredible performance from the Zags. But I want to start on the Big Ten, specifically on the team that's currently sitting alone atop the Big Ten standings. It's not Iowa or Illinois. It's not Wisconsin or Michigan State. It's not Ohio State or Rutgers. It's not Indiana, Purdue, Michigan or Maryland, or Minnesota or Penn State or Nebraska. Of course, it's not Nebraska. The team currently sitting alone atop the Big Ten standings is Northwestern, otherwise known as as the team that was picked dead last in the preseason Big Ten Bowl. The Wildcats are now 6-1 overall, 3-0 in the Big Ten. They've beaten Michigan State, Indiana, and most recently on Saturday, Ohio State. The lone loss, if you're wondering, is a one-point loss to Pitt. Understand, the Big Ten is the best and deepest conference in America. Half the league's 14 teams are in the top 25 at Ken Palm. 13 of the 14 are in the top 55. So you cannot schedule your way to a nice start in this league. You have to beat good teams. Northwestern is beating good teams. Norlander, two questions. How surprised are you by this? And do you believe in Northwestern now? Not necessarily as a future Big Ten champ, but at least as a legitimate NCAA tournament team. Oh, without a doubt. This has now become one of the better stories of the first month of the season here. I mean, starting at 6-1 and one and Northwestern didn't start. It, it didn't start playing until December. It did have uh, a COVID pause to start the season. And there was really no reason until a week ago tonight when we squeaked in a Northwestern upset over Michigan State. What we thought was an upset... We may well come to learn that, that that was no upset, my friend. But we, 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 can, we can now be transparent about what happened. We weren't even paying attention to the game. We finished the podcast. I got we, How dare we were you. done. And I texted Dorlander and I was like, dude, Northwestern just beat the crap out of Michigan State. Should we go back in and acknowledge that that happened? So we did. Uh, but that's how far Northwestern was off of our radar. A week later, oh, how quickly things change. A week later, they're leading the same podcast they were basically ignored from a week ago. Yeah, in a week's time, look at this. And that'll happen when you get a win at home over Michigan State by 14. You go on the road, you handle Indiana and win 74-67. And then you get a 71-70 win over Ohio State. Now, also, for more transparency here, you and I did not even see the end of this game because Northwestern stormed back late, got the win, and it coincided with us actually having to be on CBS Sports HQ for duties tied to the Gonzaga-Virginia game. So I, I hopped on the tweet machine and people filled me in on uh, what went down. And basically, you know, uh, Chase Adige, but really Boo Booey. Uh, loving, see, love college basketball because you have guys named Boo Booey making... 
big impacts and becoming difference makers there. And Boo Booey, a sophomore guard here, shooting 53.8% from three-point range this season. He's 14 of 26. He keyed uh, that comeback with a couple of really big buckets late. I mean, Ohio State should have won the game. But there's no should have when Northwestern's involved. At least that's what we're learning uh, in a hurry here. Uh, Bowie wound up scoring 14 points, was two of four uh, from three point range, and those couple of buckets came late there. And the Miller Cop, he wound up with 23 points. And in doing so, yeah, I mean this is a GP. This is an upset the apple cart kind of situation. So three and O is Northwestern uh, in Big Ten play for the first time in eons, and. It is establishing itself, yes, as a team that I think can make the NCAA tournament. Now, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself and be uh, declarative with this in the sense that I'm going to guarantee it because the Big Ten is loaded and I think Northwestern is just as capable of dropping three straight. In fact, it's next two games. It's next, it's next two are on the road and then one after look that. Like, ne- Look at the next five. It's ridiculous. I mean, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it off right now because I'm I'm just looking at it now. I mean, I know we were going to head up with Northwestern on the pod, but um, I just brought it up. This is actually absurd. I, I hope this does. I want to be clear. I really hope it doesn't happen and doesn't go the wrong way for Northwestern here because that would that would kind of suck. I, I would like to see this program. I like when we get these surprises every season that make the sport just a little more interesting. Yeah, Northwestern's ended its NCAA tournament streak and it finally got in a few years back and all that, and that was great. Don't get me wrong, but this is still a program historically that we just don't expect to crawl out of the cellar of the Big Ten in most seasons, and here we are at 3-0. and But this is daunting. Tuesday night at Iowa, then a week from tonight scheduled to play at Michigan. Again, all these games have to go off as scheduled so we'll see on that but then January 7th the third game in the stretch home against obviously a really good Illinois team then at Ohio State and it's going to wrap up you're going to bookend this on January 17th with a home game against Iowa again those are if those games can be played as scheduled and that's brutal and frankly if you're Northwestern and you can go one and four in that stretch that's a win and if you do that you're going to be four and four and still treading water in the Big Ten but in the here and now let's celebrate them Chris Collins has done a wonderful job this was not anticipated to be a team that was going to be really better than 12th at best in the league you said it pick last in um in the preseason in the media poll there and here they are they're the, the t- they're the toast of the weekend in the sport you mentioned like uh, this is becoming one of the best stories in college basketball i, I think the best story in college basketball is the one we're going to talk about next that's gonzaga that they're the story i think the other story in college basketball is Kentucky because they lost again and they're still sitting on one win on December 27th and they're one in six overall no team that's started one in six has ever got an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament those are the two biggest stories in college basketball for obviously different reasons but now Northwestern is on the list of really nice stories um you know in in this season so far the next five again ridiculous it's five straight games against currently ranked teams in what is an eight game stretch against nothing but top 35 10 pound teams it circles back to you know what i mentioned earlier you can't schedule your way to a nice start in this league you got to beat people um you're, you're playing a real team basically every night you mentioned boo booey and miller cop I, i'll just simple question any other team got Top two scores with better name combination than Miller Cop and Boo Booey? Um, I feel like there's going to be a couple of nominees out there that are just not springing to mind at the moment. Uh, within the Big Ten alone, I just think you know, Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn's not not too shabby there. But I would take Northwestern's duo. I'd have to I'd have to think about it. The problem is UNC doesn't really have a strong you know, number two to Leaky Black, and so that's where it kind of gets lost in the mix there. But, no, that is that is wonderful. And just boo-booey. I mean, come on now. Love it. Boo-booey is terrific. Oh, uh, trivia time. Okay, here we go. Who's boo-booey's brother? 
Boo Booey has a brother. Should I know it? You, n- no, because I didn't know it until in prep for the podcast, I started Boo uh, uh, you know, Booey uh, Googling and it popped up. And do I was we like, have, oh, wow. Do we have oh, wow. a Zagorowski Carter Williams situation on our hands at the moment? That's exactly, that's, that appears to be exactly what it is. His, his brother's last name is not Bowie. But he does. He Currently in college basketball? No, but he's a former first team Big Ten player. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, give it to me because I'm not going to waste listeners' yeah, time. You, I have no idea. I, I, I just, I was I, honestly on YouTube watching highlights of the game because you're exactly right. We were live on CBS Sports HQ when it went down. And one of the things was like, uh, you know, uh, getting to know Babooey or something like that. And his brother is Taylor Battle, the former Penn oh. State player who was first-team Big Ten player. And they've got all this archive footage of Boo Booey, like, at Penn State after games, you know, getting up. He's in the stands watching his big brother play, and then he's on the court, like, you know, probably. I, I, Taylor Battle's 32 now. Boo Booey's, like, 20. So he was probably. I mean, he's probably like 10 years old, nine, 10 years old, getting up shots after Big Ten games and now obviously starting in Big Ten games. So that's kind of an interesting story. Um, Miller Cop, Boo Booey, top two scores. Uh, Miller is averaging 15.1 points per game. Boo Booey's averaging 14.4 points per game. They're both shooting 50% from three. Miller Cop shooting 57.1 from three. Boo Booey shooting 50% from three. I asked the question on the last podcast because North Carolina's top two scores are literally shooting 0% from three. Like that, that can't be happening anywhere else in the country. Top two scores 0.0 from three. Uh, at Northwestern, top two scores are shooting at least 50% from three. Northwestern as a team shooting 40.9% from three, which ranks 15th nationally. They take care of the ball. They make threes. And now they're off to a 3-0 and start in the Big Ten. Of course, like I mentioned, the next five are, are, are really, really tough. But, you know, you'll take one and four. You'd, you'd, you'd love two and three. Either way, even if it's one and four, they go through their first eight league games with a four and four record. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the depth and the quality of the league, like you, I don't want to say you can't ask for more, but. You'd, you'd probably accept four and four through eight if you're Chris Collins. You would. And I, you know, if you're a Northwestern backer, I think that's what you're rooting for here. If you can get five and three, hell yeah. I mean, because you do get two home games in there, but I mean, the home games are against Illinois and Iowa. You know, maybe the two best teams in the league, although obviously I hear you, Wisconsin fans. I mean, Wisconsin, since we're talking Big Ten real quick here, um, I thought the Big Ten on Christmas Day, uh, that was that was a good deal. I, I, I checked in, uh, was locked in there, and, you know, Minnesota got a huge win over Iowa in OT. Certainly notable. I thought Purdue got a necessary win against Maryland, and, uh, I mean, Michigan walked into Pinnacle Bank. I mean... What do you like, do? Like, like everyone, I mean, Michigan walked into Pinnacle Bank. They got Boy, that. They got remember, an eleven point one. I remember when it was different. <laughs> I don't really, I remember. See, I don't, I don't really remember. think it ever was different. I, I, I remember when. I remember when you couldn't. You couldn't go in there and do that. I, I might want to. You might want to fact check that. But well, well regardless, eleven point win for Michigan. They get it done. Michigan, uh, Wisconsin over Michigan State was the was the big game of the day. Um, and Wisconsin got a a pretty solid road win. It's pretty convincing as well uh, against Michigan State. And in doing so, I think just. I think it was an important win for Wisconsin in that, and I, I mentioned this on the on the Christmas Eve pod we did, but Wisconsin's, like, they're damn good. Really, really good. Ranked currently ninth in offensive efficiency, fourth in defensive efficiency, and, and getting a convincing win. And yet again, like, the thing is, 
and you know we're gonna have plenty of opportunities to talk about Wisco here, but uh, since they got this win, like. Demetrius Trice, Micah Potter, Nate Reavers, they are just, they're so reliable. And even Davison, it's not that level with um, with Northwestern with the two guys shooting above 50%, but Potter's at 50% from three. Trice is at 41.5. Reavers is at 42.9. And Davison's at 43.6. And Wisconsin, all of all four of those have taken at least 23 pointers to this point. So they are they are rolling. If you're curious, if I want to meld the two topics here real quick, Northwestern Wisconsin are not scheduled to play each other until January 27th. Hell, for all we know, it's going to be a battle of the top two teams in the league. But um, my grand takeaway from all of the Big Ten, start with Wisconsin winning against Michigan State on Christmas Day and then Northwestern doing what it did on Saturday, is it just reaffirmed to me how good the league is, and I think it is inevitable if you look around the rest of college basketball and where teams in certain leagues and how leagues collectively are performing. Like, Kentucky's not making the NCAA tournament. It's just not going to happen unless they win the auto bid and win the SEC tournament, which, of course, is possible, but let's just say that's not going to happen. You lose that kind of team there, that kind of this time kind of team there. I think that the Big Ten is setting itself up extremely well to have nine or ten bids this season because you uh, at the top of the podcast, GP mentioned every Big Ten team, and a lot of them, a lot of them, with the exception of, at this point, Nebraska, of course. Penn State. Penn State. Maryland's yet to win a game, so we'll see, but I even still like Maryland, but like Michigan State's winless in the league. You know, Indiana hasn't won. Here are the 0-2 teams. Nebraska, Penn State, Maryland, Michigan State, Indiana. Those are all 0-2 teams in the Big, Big Ten right now. I'm going to promise you at least one of those teams is making the tournament and probably at least two of them. And then the only sub-500 team right now is Ohio State at 1-2. and two. League is loaded, GP. If you told me the Big Ten sent 10 to the tournament, I would believe it. Right. I mean, I was chatting with uh, Chris Holtman from Ohio State last week, and he, he said that he thinks this is the deepest league he's ever seen. Um, and just he, he predicted that, quote, I, I, I think we're just going to beat each other up for the next you know, a few months. And, and then of course he goes and loses to the three, you know, to the now three, and zero Northwestern team. So like, there it is. And I, I, I don't know if it's the deepest it's ever been, cause it was really deep last season. People forget that. I mean, it was crazy deep last season, but um, you know, you look at this league right now, where are your easy wins? I could admit Nebraska is one of them as much as I you're love and respect yeah, that's all you as, as much as I love, and respect Pinnacle Bank. Nebraska is a place where you should be able to circle that as a win. Um, Penn State is probably the next worst team in the league, um, but Penn State already has a win over the Virginia Tech team that's ranked 24th in the AP poll and in possession of a win over Villanova. Virginia Tech is. So, like, Penn State can clearly beat a top 25-ish team, even if Penn State's not that great. And then Northwestern, the team that was picked last, is 3-0. and So where are the, where are the easy wins? Um, you know, you you re, you remove Nebraska. You re, you remove Nebraska. You just chalk them up as they're different level bad because they are according to the computers. Penn State's bad but capable of beating you. Northwestern was supposed to be bad but they're three and zero in the league and um, everybody else in the league is forty eighth or better right now at Kempom. The Big East, of course, got eleven of its sixteen teams in the two thousand eleven NCAA tournament. Um, that's the most ever. It would be interesting to see if the Big Ten can challenge that this season and you make a good point like we can reasonably assume Kentucky's not taking one of the spots now that's got to go somewhere else here's another thing that could play into it there's no Ivy League automatic bid. so that yes. opens up another spot in the tournament so I'm not predicting it um but 
I do think it's possible for them to, th- to, to, we wake up on selection Sunday and we go nine are definitely in and three more on the bubble. Like something like that would not surprise me last season. If you're curious, we never got an actual bracket, but um, the big team was projected to get 10 out of 14 uh, last season and 12 of their 14 teams were in the top 35 at Ken Palm. Purdue was 24th at Ken Palm, but just 16 and 15 overall, 9 and 11 in the league. They were not projected to make it. Minnesota was 27th at Ken Palm, but just 15 and 16 overall, 8 and 12 in the league. They were not projected to make it. But uh, 10 were projected to make it, and it looks like it's going to be a similar number this season. I agree. And last thing on this, and we can talk about uh, Zags Wahoos, but um... – the lack of non-conference games, relatively speaking, this season is also going to be interesting to see, you know, how that helps or doesn't uh, Big Ten and other leagues because obviously we have a 27-game max and the Big Ten is going to try and get in 20 league games, leaving, you know, for seven non-conference games for most of these teams. And will that wind up helping the Big Ten? I, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that the Big Ten uh, narrowly edging the Big 12 right now in overall conference strength according to multiple predictive metrics. And then there is a sizable gap between the ACC at three and then the SEC at four. So, yeah, I think we are – I think nine is a lock at this point. I, I mean it. I mean a lock. I can't see fewer than nine from the Big Ten making it. It would have to be a massive chasm. Uh, and I guess, you know, I'll hedge just a little bit. In, in the midst of a pandemic, anything is obviously possible. But nine seems extremely likely with 10 on the table, and 11 is certainly possible. Yeah, I guess I would I would rephrase if I could. I don't mean wake up on Selection Sunday and 10 are in and maybe two or three are on the bubble. I think we could enter, if assuming there's a Big Ten tournament, I think we could enter championship week with it looks like nine or 10 are in, and there are two, two or three others that have a chance to play their way in. That, that seems to reflect the quality of this league right now. So yes, clearly the best league in the country, clearly the deepest team in uh, league in the country. And I think I'm with you. Although I did not pick them to win the league in the preseason, the safest bet right now is probably Wisconsin. That's probably the safest. Everybody else seems flawed in a way that they don't seem flawed. Illinois is scoring a lot, but giving up a lot. Iowa can't guard. Um, you know, like I, I was hopeful that they would be not good or great, maybe good, respectable. I take respectable on that end of the court. They're just not, and there's no evidence that they're going to get um, that much better. So they're going to, you know, there's going to be games where they just get outscored. I, I think if you're trying to look for the team in the Big Ten you can trust the most, uh, it, it's probably the Wisconsin Badgers. Let's move on. Gonzaga absolutely bombed Virginia on Saturday. Corey Kispert made nine three-pointers. It was a blowout from start to finish. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Gonzaga went down to Dickey's Arena and absolutely destroyed Virginia on Saturday. Final score 98-75 it was on CBS, America's most watched network. That's the network of stars. The Zags led 7-0 early. They were up double digits, not even five minutes in. They were up 20, not even 14 minutes in. They were up 44-31 at the half. Virginia never got it to single digits in the second half. Like I said earlier, it was a blowout from start to finish. Gonzaga shot 60.3% from the field, 50% from three, 78.3% from the line. The Zags had 26 assists, just seven turnovers. They created eight steals. Corey Kispert got 32. Drew Timmy added 29. It was a complete and incredibly impressive performance. Norlander, you wrote about it. What did you make of Gonzaga improving to 7-0 and in that fashion. All right, I'll try and be succinct here. First of all, Corey Kispert was due one of these games. Now, it was a career-high 32. He tied a team record with nine triples, as you said. And to this point, while he has been... Like, he was a preseason first-team All-American at CBS Sports and regarded as, you know, one of the five to ten best players in the sport heading into the season. So him being this good is not a surprise whatsoever. But because Suggs has been so incredible and because Timmy wasted no time being immediately awesome, and he was really, really good again. I mean, he was arguably just as good as Kispert was against Virginia. Um, Kispert's been a little bit overshadowed, but it was just a reminder of, again, and I'm, I made this... Uh, uh, analogy on on HQ, but like Gonzaga is what Alabama is in terms of having three of the you know six or seven best players in the sport. It's really looking like that. That's my first takeaway. Kispert, Suggs, and Timmy all are going. I think because the their numbers are not going to dip. I don't think so. They're all going to be in the conversation for third team, second team, first team. That was the first takeaway. Second takeaway was, and most of this is about Gonzaga, but quickly on Virginia. I I still think that we're going to look back in like six weeks and Virginia is going to be near the top, if not at the top of the ACC. And we're going to look back and say, listen, Gonzaga is just insane. Like this, this, that game was just way more about Gonzaga than it was about Virginia. But I think people want to sell on UVA just a little bit because it couldn't keep it a bit more competitive. If anything, Virginia getting 75, I think is, is a pretty optimistic deal over there. And then the third thing, which you know we can spend the most time on here if you'd like, GP. Uh, the column, my column, basically, and I, I am breaking a cardinal rule here because, as I noted in the column, you know, teams getting to the tournament undefeated is not something that happens regularly because we had Wichita State and Kentucky do it recently in 14 and 15 in back-to-back seasons. It feels like something that's a bit more possible, and I get that because St. Joe's almost did it. Gonzaga, four seasons ago. Almost did it, lost its final uh, regular season game against BYU. So we've gotten close, but the reality is it just doesn't happen that often. In fact, only UNLV, in addition to Wichita State and Kentucky, has done it since 79. So normally when this kind of thing crops up and you might have a really good team, you know, when the Kentucky team, what's interesting is the Kentucky team uh, that did it, I someone in media, and I can't remember, you might remember who, someone in the preseason in fact, I might even think, I think it's our buddy Reed Forgrave. He might have been the first one that said this Kentucky team is not going to lose a game this season. And then it almost didn't. It lost to Wisconsin. Point is, I usually shake that stuff off because I just don't think it's a conversation rooted in reality most of the time until you get to like February. But I'm, 
I just don't have any reason to believe that Gonzaga is not going to run the table here, and at least until we get to the tournament. Can it lose? Of course it can. The math even says it's more likely to lose than not. Right now, Ken Palm estimates Gonzaga's chances of having an undefeated regular season, not even counting for the WCC tournament, is 44.3%. So right now, it's still got a better chance of losing than not. But given how great it's been against all this high-level competition, I do think that it is reasonable. I The results are in. How they look on the court is undeniable. This is the most talented team with the highest offensive ceiling in college basketball. And the league is not going to provide, you know, challenges. They aren't going to have road crowds to go up against. Could St. Mary's BYU beat them? Sure. That's on, I think that's within the realm of possibility. But you were ahead of me on this by about 10 days or so. And so, yeah, that's my big broad takeaway in addition to what we saw on the floor Saturday. I am always hesitant to... to announce in December or even January that I think a power conference team is going to remain undefeated through selection Sunday, because with few exceptions, Kentucky 2015 being an obvious example, exception to the rule with few exceptions, there's never going to be a team in the big 10. That's that much better than everybody else in the big 10 or a team in the sec. That's that much better than everybody else in the sec. Um, Usually the gap is, is there might be a gap, but it's not crazy to think you can get caught somewhere. You're consistently going into sold out wild arenas with a target on your back. And you know, the other team's got top 100 prospects too, but where I'm not hesitant to announce that I think a team's going to go to selection Sunday undefeated is in situations like this, when you have created a real power outside of the traditional power structure, So John Calipari at Memphis in Conference USA, Greg Marshall with Fred Van Vliet, Ron Baker in the Missouri Valley, and quite clearly Gonzaga right now and for several years, but like this being the most obvious. So yeah, I understand it's still statistically unlikely, but I'd put my money on the other side. I think they're going to have zero losses on Selection Sunday. They've already got four wins over top 20 Ken Palm teams, um, including two Big 12 powers, a Big 10 power, and an ACC power, at least according to the preseason projections. And they have won those four games by an average of 12.8 points. They have five wins over top 65 Ken Palm teams, and the average margin of victory in those games is 14.8 points. And so nobody has been able to play with them and they don't have another game against the top 65 Ken Palm team left on the schedule currently ranked. So they really might be double digit favorites all the way through the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, maybe further. And what's remarkable is they they've got a chance to, to not just be a national champion, but to make history, to go down as an all time great team. Because there is a scenario where this plays out. Let's just say that I know Baylor is the favorite in the Big 12, but I think we would agree Kansas can win the Big 12. Yes. They almost always win the Big 12. And I honestly don't know who's the favorite in the ACC right now, but Virginia was the preseason favorite. And Iowa was the preseason favorite in the Big 10. There is a chance Gonzaga ends up, I'm just dreaming here, but ends up as a undefeated national champion that recorded double-digit wins over the Big 12 champ, Big 10 champ, 
and ACC champ, otherwise known as the champions of the three toughest leagues in college basketball. That would that be that that puts you in all time great conversation. I mean, I'm not trying to compare them to a Kareem team or or a Lou Alcindor team or a Bill Walton team, but you get the point. That that that, as I've said many times, you know, it, if you're a fan of a certain school and that school wins a national championship, you remember everything about it forever. Most people they kind of blend together. Um, you remember like 2012 Kentucky because that's an all timer. Uh, there are certain teams that that you remember, but for most people, it blends together. If Gonzaga is able to be an undefeated national champion that ends up with three double-digit wins over the champions of the three best conferences in America, that puts you in a conversation where people don't forget you. I don't, off the top of my head, remember who won the national championship in 1975 or 1977, but I know 76 was undefeated. Oh, Indiana. 75 was UCLA and 77 was Marquette. Give me another what? year. I'll tell you who won. Oh, you want to play some tri- trivia time? Just throw, just, two, just throw you. Two, 2002. That was Maryland. 1998. 98 was Kentucky over Utah. No, I Kentucky over, yeah, Kentucky over Utah. I do or was that. it over Stanford? No, it was over Utah, yeah. Yeah, it was, I think it was Utah. 1994. 94 would have been Arkansas over Duke. Ooh, big Suey, I love how goopy that is. Uh, 1995. 95 is UCLA over Arkansas in the final. Who was the star player? Uh, the, well, for UCLA? They had the brothers, but then who was the other guy? Toby Bailey was my dude. Toby Bailey was yeah. the guy. Look at you, little 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 Rothstein here. Oh, and then this, I just suggest, this is just my wheelhouse here. This is uh, like uh, when I was 10 years old and I can name you the capital of every state, which I don't think I can do anymore. But yeah, throw me another one. Throw me, uh, throw me any year. Capital of Mississippi. Oxford, right? You moron. It's Jackson, Mississippi. Ah, Jackson. I told you, I'm rusty. <laughs> First of all, capital of Connecticut. Uh, Bristol. Oh, my God. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Ain't so easy now, is it? <laughs> if Bristol's the worldwide leader. I don't know why it can't also be the capital. What do you think is the capital of Connecticut? Hartford. There we go. Give me another yeah. year. Um, another year would be... 2007. Uh, come on. Florida over Ohio State. You want to give me something that hasn't been in the past 20 years? Make it a little tough? Okay, yeah. I would like to do that. How about 1981? 81 would be... 81 is Indiana because that's Knight's second title, and they would have beat Carolina that year. 83. 83 is obviously NC State over Houston. Yeah, see, I can't do that, what you're doing right now. I mean, I can do some, like, you know, 85 Villanova, 88 Kansas, um, 95 UCLA, 2012 Kentucky, 2005 Carolina, 2009 Carolina. I can do some, but more. the idea that I could just rattle them off nonsense, I can't do that. And so my, my larger point is this. Most people are like me, not like you and Rostein. For most people, the national champions kind of like, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that if you tell them. You go undefeated and end up with double-digit wins over the ACC champ, Big 12 champ, Big 10 champ, you are an unforgettable 2021 national champion. That's my point. 60, I'll 61 and 62, <laughs> Cincinnati over Ohio State in back-to-back seasons. Ohio State won it the year before that against Cal, who won it the year before that against West Virginia. All right, a couple more things on this Gonzaga deal. Because um, what's interesting is, in terms of our podcast uh, programming, 
Gonzaga is really not going to be a talking point unless something COVID-related happens. It starts just beating people by 40, and we just feel like we got to keep talking about them, or it takes a loss. That's pretty much it. So allow us to just uh, kind of keep, uh, uh, you know, playing this tune for a couple more minutes here. Um, as I, I ended my column with kind of a thought of, like, it's got a good chance of, of getting to the tournament undefeated, and if it does that and it can make, you know, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight and Final Four undefeated, uh, that would just be a great thing for college basketball. You lose the tournament in 20, and then if in 2021 you've got an undefeated team, Parrish made this point on HQ, and he's absolutely right about this. It is Thank a you. good thing for it, – it's not the same in college football because of the inventory and because you get it every single season. It's almost by nature of college football, you need to be undefeated to win the national championship. And since there's only 14, 15 games, it just doesn't carry um, – it just doesn't carry that kind of uh, – that vibe to it because it's, it's just part of that sport. College basketball is different. Everyone knows Indiana was the last team to run the table, and it did so – what I, what I can't tell you off the top of my head is their record. I want to say 27-0, and 0, something like that. But um, the teams that can make it into deep February, it becomes a major talking point, and it, it becomes something that transcends the sport. So GP is absolutely right about that. Gonzaga being undefeated, and if it can carry this for another eight weeks, is a good thing for college hoops. If it could get there to the tournament, even better. And if it could do that, it would be the stuff of immortality because... There was no 20 tournament. Everyone's going to remember the 21 tournament because we didn't have a 2020 tournament in particular. And because of what Gonzaga is and what it means to a mainstream sports audience and how it's grown over the past 20 years, I could give a flip about, and I, and I really mean it, like we're not going to entertain the idiots on this podcast. We're not going to give a platform and a voice to the people that still want to downplay Gonzaga. It's not going to happen. These people are irrelevant and they don't matter. If you wanted to have this fight in 2012 and 2014, I was with you. But the second that Gonzaga almost went undefeated and made the title game and almost won in 2017, it's gone forever. So here's the point. The irrefutable truth about all this is that if Gonzaga of all teams gets to a Final Four undefeated and wins the national championship without a loss or even one loss, because of who Gonzaga is and what it represents, it will be an all-time kind of championship, an all-time kind of tournament run amid a pandemic after we didn't have a tournament, and it's Gonzaga doing it out of the West Coast Conference. I also brought in a, a reference in my column to UNLV. You know, what's not lost on me is the fact that the last time Wichita State did go undefeated, but it was not killing teams and Gonzaga is going to be killing teams the way that UNLV kind of upset the apple cart you know when Vegas was doing this with Tark Larry Johnson Stacey Ogman Greg Anthony and co it was it was romping Michigan State by 20 points it was killing Florida State by 32 points it was going in and just destroying Duke the year before Duke obviously got its revenge there knocking out DePaul when it was much better by 35 points LMU which was rolling Beat them to start the season back 30 years ago. And it was taking Arkansas, non-conference games, winning at Arkansas when that was that program under Nolan Richardson was really cresting there. That is what that is what Gonzaga is doing right now. I think it's kind of cool that 30 years post when Tark really set almost a, a mold that can't be duplicated. Few has done it differently. It, Gonzaga's been awesome for a while. But that it's doing it like this and not in a power conference, I think is a wonderful story. And yes, it would be great for college basketball if they can still do it. We, we differ here. Right now, if you made me bet 500 bucks of my own money, will Gonzaga lose one game before the start of the NCAA tournament or not? I would say, 
I will put my money down on yes, it will lose at least once because no crowds, pandemic, you just never know. But I wouldn't feel good about it, but I would just slightly lean that. And you, on the other hand, you would go the other way. You're more confident than I am. You think it's a better than 50% proposition right now, given the league that Gonzaga is not going to lose uh, by the time Greg Gumbel's calling out its name as a one seed in the West on Selection Sunday. Yeah, I just, I, I, listen, I watch the games and I look at the numbers. I mean, yeah. If you're running Kansas and Virginia and and uh, Iowa off the court, who who is messing with you in the West Coast Conference? Yeah. And I actually think the lack of crowds helps them because they don't have to play true road games in crazy environments. I know. It's not going to be one of those where somebody comes out, bangs home four threes early, and then the crowds into it, and then it just like it gets you. They're not going to. You don't have to go through that, especially on the West Coast. Like you know, like in Dickey's Arena, you got some fans there. True, but 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 on the West Coast, they you know they they take the virus seriously out there, so they're not going to have like anything that even resembles a home court advantage. So Gonzaga doesn't have to play a real road game. Um, you know, uh, if you told me bet five hundred dollars one way or another, I yeah okay sure five hundred dollars I'll I'll take the Zags with the zero in the loss. If you told me to bet you know, my 401k, I'd be like, I'm going to sit it out. I don't feel, I don't feel that certain about it, but I do think I, in my mind, I know, I know what the numbers say, but watching the games, knowing what's in front of them, um, it, it, it seems more likely to not in, in the, the, the more likely than not to, to happen in my mind. I will say, yes, you're still going to get some of the idiots, but I think there's fewer of them now. Um, I would agree. You, you can't like, you know, when I tweeted what I tweeted on Saturday, like, you know, let the undefeated talk begin. Some guy was like, oh, they'll just lose in the NCAA tournament early like they always do, which like just doesn't even line up with reality anymore. I mean, it never did, by the way. I wrote a column like five years ago saying everything you think about Gonzaga is wrong. And I just went through and really just studied everything because people would say, oh, Gonzaga is overrated. And the truth is, you know what the Zags did for an extended period of time until they got this thing rolling in 2015? They played basically to their seed. That, that's basically what they did. Like if they were seated in a way that suggests you're supposed to win a game and then lose, that's what they did. If they were seated in a way that suggests you're supposed to win two and then get knocked out, that's what they did. They more or less played to their seed. But in the past five the NCAA tournaments, it's Elite Eight, Sweet 16, title game, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. That ain't getting knocked out of the tournament early. That's playing in the second weekend every time. And in the second game of the second weekend, um, three different times in the past five years. So I don't think, I don't, you know, again, the things people say now are just like, they're just not true. I mean, you can like, you can just send them a link and say, check this out. What you're saying is not true. So I think there's fewer people. You know, I do remember when Wichita State was undefeated back in 2014, there was a lot of skeptics there, but they could, they could, they could say till the very end, well, they ain't played nobody. Because the truth is, they didn't play a lot of somebody's. They, they played Tennessee that season in non-league and they didn't play another top 25 team. So if you wanted to ignore the numbers and ignore your eyes and just scream, Wichita state's going to lose early because they're not that good. You had something to work with, I guess with Gonzaga right now, you don't have anything to work with. I mean, they are, they, <laughs> they've blown out Kansas. They've blown out Iowa. They've blown out Virginia. And you know, I, I know they only beat West Virginia by five, but Jalen Suggs also like was limited in that game. You know, it, 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 the only team that's been competitive with them is a team that got to play them for a not insignificant amount of time with their five-star future top five pick point guard. I'm not saying that, that West Virginia can't compete with them. I'm just saying that th- that was a factor in that game. So, 
um, you, you, yeah, we're not, I'm not going to open a podcast saying I saw this one tweet where somebody said Gonzaga is not even a top 10 team. I'm not going to spend any time with those people. They don't matter. My larger point is that I don't think many of those people exist anymore. And to the extent that they do exist, um, yeah, they, they are, they, they, they don't deserve any attention. I, I would say this, the, if you're trying to say, okay, imagine what could happen to, to give them a loss or derail them at all. You know, um, we were on with Joe Musa on uh, CBS sports HQ on Saturday and he asked both of us, I think, what does Mark few need to do, you know, in the next few months to make sure his team, you know, doesn't slip up, doesn't lose its uh, focus because they are going to be in a bunch of blowout situations. And my response, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but somewhat seriously, was the, the only thing Mark Few needs to do right now is keep his team socially distant from regular humans, wear masks, um, you know, wash your hands. Like, the only way I could see them not challenging legitimately for a national title is if somehow we look up in the lead eight and Drew Timmy has been sidelined with COVID or Jalen Suggs has been sidelined with COVID. Like, you know, I, I, fingers crossed. We hope that doesn't play a role in who wins this national championship, but obviously it could. And I really do think that's, that's the biggest opponent of Gonzaga over the next few months. And as it pertains to trying to win this national title, um, you know, can you keep your team healthy? And in normal seasons, that just means, you know, free of ACL tears and sprained ankles. Now it also means free of this virus. Hopefully, um, hopefully they can. And obviously that's the hope for every team in America. I did um, text with Mark Few after the game and he acknowledged he was worried about the Virginia game, uh, just about everything in general, catching up to his team. You know, they had lots of travel, lots of tough games, no Christmas break. He was concerned like this just might get us. And obviously they, they had no problems and, you know, sort of what he settles on. And he said this over and over again, he's like, listen, these guys love playing in general, but also playing with each other. And every time I've watched them, it sure does look that way. They really look like they not only know how to play together, which is, I mean, you watched a lot of college basketball games. Gonzaga doesn't look like most college basketball teams, man. The way they move the ball, the way they get good shots, the way they make shots, it's, it's imp- like, again, on, against Virginia, 26 assists, seven turnovers. Like, that's not a normal number for a college basketball team. They look like they know how to play. They look like they enjoy playing with each other. And they check every box. Future Hall of Fame coach, experience, multiple future first-round NBA draft picks. There is nothing there that suggests that they can't win the NCAA tournament. There's nothing there that suggests they shouldn't be the favorite right now to win the NCAA tournament. They are, by the way, again, number one at Ken Palm Mm -hmm. and number one in adjusted offensive efficiency. Baylor has dropped down to number two. And Baylor's been a little bit out of sight, out of mind. The Bears have only played twice in the past 18 days, haven't played a quality opponent since December 2nd, will not play another ranked team until January 12th against West Virginia. So they're a little out of sight, out of mind. Um, But Gonzaga has moved ahead of them once again at Ken Palm for whatever that's worth. Uh, yeah, no, that was that was a notable bump back up. I still think BYU's got a decent shot. Nine and two are the Cougars. These teams aren't scheduled to play each other until February sixth for the first time. That'll be uh, BYU at Gonzaga, and then the regular season WCC finale is scheduled to be um, Gonzaga at BYU on February twenty seventh. So keep that in mind. Uh, GP, 
Mon- Sunday was slow. Shouts to Providence for getting a double OT win over DePaul. And shouts to Drake, which is 10-0 and with eight wins against Division One competition. No other team, regardless of competition, has reached 10 wins in college hoops to this point. We are just over one full month into the season, except for Drake. So shouts to the Drake. Love the Drake. Uh, it's, but- wi- it's wild that... Um- you know, they go down as the first university in this country to name itself after a rapper. Oh, I thought you were going to say, um, I thought you were going to say like a, a delicious little snack cake for lunch. Mm. First university to be named after a rapper. Yeah. But, but one day we should get Kid Cudi College, which would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> sure, bro. Um, Monday, Tuesday, what are we looking at? What pops out to you? What do, the, what do people need to know about the notable games here as we uh, as we set up the next couple of days here? Well, there's four that I think are interesting for different level, uh, different reasons. Um, two on Monday, two on Tuesday. On Monday at 7 Eastern, we get Maryland at Wisconsin. Monday at 8 Eastern, Michigan State at Minnesota. Then Tuesday at 8 Eastern, Pitt at Duke. And Tuesday at 9 Eastern, Northwestern at Iowa. What interests you there? Well, first of all, I mean, I thought you... <laughs> I thought you were going to leave me with Drake at Indiana State on Monday night. Can Drake keep it going? <laughs> we'll see about that. What's, um, what's wild is people don't realize that's the first school to ever name itself after a hip-hop star. Drake's Coffee Cakes. Haven't had one in a good 12 years. I might have to circle back. I don't even know, I don't even know what that is. Come on, man. You don't know what a Drake's what? Coffee Cake is? No, I don't know what no Drake's Coffee Cake Well, why would I know that? Is that something I should know? For multiple reasons. One? one, like, they're, they were everywhere, and maybe they still are. And also, there's, you know, a Seinfeld plot built around it. But next thing you're telling me is, like, you don't watch Seinfeld, never have. Cause you're just, you ready? You ready? Oh, God. I've never, never seen an I've episode never, of Seinfeld. Never, yeah. I never watched Seinfeld. Never watched it. And you may tell but you, you like, thing? But you like Curb. Love Curb. I'm confident I would love Seinfeld. It's just, at, at the time Seinfeld was airing, my life was not conducive to being in front of a television on Thursday at whatever time it came on. Like <laughs> we got a badass like, here. I was, <laughs> I was out, I was out trying to get it in. I wasn't sitting at, sitting home like a nerd on a Thursday night. And you uh, couldn't just watch on demand. I'm sure if you go, there watch was no on demand. on demand. True story. I did tape sign. I was, I was and still am. You think I'm good with, National championship winners, you toss me almost any bit of Seinfeld trivia, I'm going to have it down. I'm going to have it locked and loaded there. That was definitely Seinfeld hit when I was uh, middle school into high school. And I would, I, would, I would literally, literally tape the episodes on my VCR, and then I would rewatch them later in the week. Yeah, that's, that's too much trial. I didn't have that kind of... Oh, I didn't big have, time. I, I, I couldn't get... I'm not... It was a I big time committed. deal. I wasn't... I went through... I, like, I watch so much TV right now in terms of like Netflix and HBO Max and... Uh, Hulu, like I watch a lot of, you know, just I wake up in the middle of the night or, you know, everybody's asleep here. Um, I'm on Cobra Kai now. I'm trying to get caught up on Cobra Kai. You watch more television than anyone I know. Like, I don't know where you're finding the time for all of this. Like at 2.15 in the morning, apparently. Yeah, I have a, a sleeping disorder and I wake up randomly at night and I cannot just go back to sleep. So I just like, you know, I'll push play on a, something and lay there and watch it and then I'll eventually fall asleep, and then I'll wake up and watch the rest of it. I just watch it when I can. I watch it when I've got nothing else going on, which is rare. But, like, you know, late at night, I've already done the top 25 and one. I guess I can watch an episode of this while I fall asleep. I don't just go to bed. You know how some people go to bed? They say, hey, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. And they go put their head on a pillow, and then they just close their eyes, and maybe they say a prayer. Maybe they don't. I don't know what you're into. But then they just fall asleep. 
That is, I never do that. I don't just say, I never an- announce to myself, it's bedtime. Well, I mean, I, a lot of people don't, but yeah, no one's, <laughs> no one's like, hmm, 1137, bedtime. I don't, I fall asleep when I fall asleep. And I often fall asleep doing something like watching a game or watching a, a show. So currently I'm getting caught up on Cobra Kai because the third season starts on January 1st. And I will say not to get too far off track, but if you are around my age and you enjoyed the Daniel LaRusso karate kid, I guess, trilogy, it was, I don't, you could, they did an incredible job picking this up. Okay. I mean, it, it is un, unbelievably well done. Like the reviews reflect that. So I'm not telling you something that, you know, the best critics in the country haven't said, but it is, it's really enjoyable, short little 28 minute episodes, easy to get through and really, really intelligently done. So I'm on Cobra Kai. That, so I watch a lot of TV. That's, that was the point. But back when Seinfeld was airing in real time, you couldn't just watch on demand the way I could just watch on demand right now. So I never got into it, but I know I would like it. Cause I love curve, like love. I've seen every episode of curve. Love it. I know I would like it, but if I'm being honest, do I get a little annoyed by people who are so anxious to quote Seinfeld episodes on Twitter? Yeah, a little bit. Seinfeld. We'll get to these games in just a quick second. I promise you. Although anyone who was like myself and recorded Seinfeld episodes on, on the VCR, Give me a shout. You know, we, we lived that life in the 90s. Um, so, so I, wasn't, I wasn't sitting at home like a nerd. Okay. <laughs> so Seinfeld, so Curb's ceiling is higher because of the HBO. Curb can do more things Seinfeld couldn't do. So if ever you decide to go back and watch it, one thing you're going to know notice, if you can recall a lot of episodes with Curb and plot lines and stuff, you're going to be like, well, that's Curb. Well, that's because Seinfeld did it first. So Curb actually sometimes goes back to the Seinfeld well, maybe one or two times a bit too frequently. It's like, well, Larry, you, you did that in the fifth season of Seinfeld, you know, and you're bringing it back here 20 years later. Um, I like Seinfeld slightly more than Curb, but Seinfeld's highs uh, are not as great as Curb's highs. That's that's my opinion. And, and Curb's lows might be a little bit lower than Seinfeld's lows. Anyway, there was once a plot that ra- revolved around Drake's coffee cakes. Also, what's crazy uh, is... Oh, by the way, I've Googled Drake's coffee cakes. Yeah. I've never seen that before in my life. Okay, you're out of your mind right now. I mean, I've seen a coffee cake. When you, were, seen- when you, were, when you were trying to get out and, and, and stop him by the local... Uh, what do they call them, by the way? Like, they're convenience stores up in the Northeast. Are that, is that what they're called in Mississippi? Yeah, convenience store. Okay. A gas go. station. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I grew up, you'd call it a gas station. You want to step at the gas station? There you go. So, the point is, you're you're slipping in, you're 16 years old, you're, you know, you're trying to get someone to buy you cigarettes. Who knows what the hell you were doing down there? There was a Drake's coffee cake available within arm's reach every single time you did that. So, never, the fact that I you're saying I've never seen that, that's just not accurate. You just don't remember seeing a Drake's coffee cake. That's the, That's the problem. I don't feel like I've ever purchased one of those. Possibly true. Um, anyway, so Seinfeld, uh, like the the fact that, um, you know, when you look at uh, Tim Watley, who was the character, I'm fr- who was who was uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston had like this recurring bit on Seinfeld, and the fact that that actor doing that stuff would eventually go on to be like Walter White, kind of mind blowing. So there's a lot of those that people, that guy, that woman in uh, in Seinfeld. Anyway, my, my, my anyway. Just so I don't get, I don't have like a million Seinfeld people coming at me on Twitter. Mm. Um, when I say I get annoyed, do I somewhat get annoyed by people constantly anxious to quote Seinfeld on Twitter? And the answer is yes, I do. I don't mean it to Seinfeld specifically. I just mean people who quote movies and TV shows. 
Um, I, I, I find those, I find those to mostly be people who can't think of their own thing to say. So they just have to repeat something that they think fits. Sounds like you've got some more Festivus airing of the grievances going on right now. Like, like, you know, when somebody, uh, you know, like the one you still get all the time, you'll see they're like Bueller, anybody, people love to tweet that. Right. I'm like, sure. Like, oh, come on. We, 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 why are we quoting that? Like, just think of your own things. I'm more interested in thinking of my own things to say rather like, than quote, I know. quoting you like, other uh, people. You're more into like the live look with the gif reaction. I know that's your deal. <laughs> I, I know that's yeah. your, I just, <laughs> I, how about, I would prefer to not tweet something that a million other people have already tweeted because oh. I would I would stop myself and go, well, what is the point in me saying this? Like, <laughs> who is not saying this right now? Like, okay, like you're watching Gonzaga and, and Virginia and somebody's out there like, Corey Kispert is on fire and flamethrower. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay, where, anybody who cares knows. <laughs> anybody who cares knows. So good. Love it. Don't quote movies. Don't quote TV shows. Think of your own things to say. Use your mind. Use your words. Think of your own things to say. Don't rely on writers from sitcoms from 30 years ago. Pop culture is a tapestry that ties us all together. Okay. Don't 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 be such a don't be such a culture snob. All right. Enough. Michigan State, Minnesota. Colorado, Arizona, Maryland. Wisconsin. We should probably just edit all that out. No shot. <laughs> Michigan State, Minnesota, Colorado, Arizona. By the way, I was like, we can probably do 45 minutes. This is how every episode is an hour, but the reviews say you like it that long, so we'll try and keep it in that relative realm there. What you, GP, just to reset, Michigan State, by the Minnesota. Way, by the way, just to laugh, yeah. check your text message right now. Oh, I saw it. Live okay. look. <laughs> Updated live look at the NFC East standings. Oh, I'm aware. Michigan State at Minnesota, Colorado. That's a deep reference. Uh, maybe some listeners will get it. Michigan State, Minnesota, Colorado, Arizona, Maryland, Wisconsin are the three biggest ones on Monday. GP did not mention Colorado at Arizona because it's on... Pac-12 Network, you can't watch That's that. Correct. I got a better chance of watching Seinfeld <laughs> no. in 1997 than I have of watching... Colorado, Arizona on the Pac-12 Network. Pac-12 Network is like having a VCR in 1997. Like you, you, you got to be in a special situation to be able to watch this. Wonderful stuff. Um, the, the Maryland, Wisconsin, eh, Michigan State, Minnesota is is one to keep an eye out. Minnesota's eight and one. It's only loss come coming at, uh, at Illinois, and as we mentioned previously, uh, you know. Booth Gosh, one, uh, helping. There we go. 102.95 OT win over Iowa here. Minnesota's in a great spot. Marcus Carr continues to be just an absolute outright stud. That, to me, is the most interesting game of the next two nights. Um, Purdue at Rutgers, just, you know, can Rutgers rebound from its loss against Ohio State and, and get back on the right track? Northwestern Iowa, we mentioned previously. So there's actually, you know, FSU at Clemson's good. There are some intriguing games here that are that are obviously being squeezed in before New Year's and are all league games. So I would qualify those all as interesting. And then uh, just a note, um, although it's, you know, it's not on the radar, but because why would it be? But Duke actually plays Tuesday night at home against Pitt. Just see what they're up to and uh, and what they can do there. But of all the games that we've mentioned here, to me, my number one curiosity is Michigan State at Minnesota. Uh, Drake at Indiana State, of course. Love the Drake. And then, yeah, I I mean, if Northwestern can go in and actually make it competitive against Indiana, then maybe we're leading another podcast on Wednesday with, uh, with Northwestern. Iowa. Iowa. What did I say? Indiana? Yes. Yeah, you know. Uh, 
to, to me, that's the most interesting one. I mean, yeah. you've got the team picked dead last who is now alone in first playing the team that was picked first. I mean, that's terrific stuff. And I don't know that I'm expecting Northwestern to go win at Iowa. But if Northwestern wins at Iowa to go to 4-0, that, that, you know, then you, you have to. If you, if you still want to be skeptical right now, fine. They go win at Iowa to start 4-0 in the Big Ten. It's time to stop being uh, skeptical. Um, Duke Pitt is interesting. It's Duke's first game since December 16th and the blue devils are, you know, they still got strong computer numbers, but they're one and two against top 100 teams. And Pitt has beaten Miami and Northwestern. Um, I mean, yeah, the one team that's beaten the team that's in first place in the big 10 is Pitt. And, you know, Jeff Capel uh, is, you know, he tested positive for COVID-19. I touched base with him on Saturday night. He's out of isolation now. I didn't even ask if he's going to coach. I was just, uh, just seeing how he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he did say he was out of isolation. So I, I would assume he's coaching, but I, I don't know that for sure. Either way, it's, you know, pupil student thing too. coach K against a former Duke player, Duke assistant. So that's interesting. And if, if Pitt somehow upsets them, then we're starting to talk about Duke. Same way we've been talking about Kentucky, Michigan state at Minnesota is interesting because, you know, the Spartans have lost two straight and they've allowed their opponent to shoot at least 50% from the field in three straight games. They're down to number 31 at Ken Palm, number 63 in defensive efficiency. And of course, my, Minnesota, we just noted, you know, they, they beat Iowa on Christmas. Marcus Carr was awesome. He's now second in the league in scoring 24.6 points, first in assist 6.2. I've got the Gophers 15th in the top 25 and one. How about this? I've got the teams picked 11th and 14th in the big 10. Mm-hmm. Number at number 15 and number 17 in the top 25 and one right now. So there's some really interesting stuff um, happening with teams that were projected to be at the bottom, but, but, but just aren't Maryland at Wisconsin only interesting. I think if Maryland upsets Wisconsin, because if Maryland doesn't upset Wisconsin, um, then I, I think we can just start to say that Maryland's not very good this year. They've lost three to four, three out of their past four. They're zero and two in the Big Ten. The last time Maryland started zero and three in league play, which again is a likely scenario um, in this season, the last time they were zero and three in league play was the nineteen ninety nine two thousand season. They started zero and three in the ACC, finished eleven and five, went to the second round of the NCAA tournament. But um, Maryland hasn't been zero and three in the league in a in a long time. So those are the the most interesting things over the next couple of days. And I do think that they are mostly interesting, um, you know, for, di- for different reasons, particularly the stuff happening in the Big Ten right now. All right, let's give a little love to the listeners. I know you got a couple of reviews. I have one that I want to read. If you don't pick it, I'm going to read it because, first of all, again, you guys are you you guys and gals are incredible. You have dropped a bunch of reviews. Our bosses have noticed as well. So thank you. And I took a tour through them I think it was last night, and I actually got a genuine chuckle out of some of these. So I know you've picked out a couple. I've got one that I, I, I think you might flag this one. If not, I, I did enjoy it. Go ahead, give well, some shouts. Uh, listen, I wish I could read them all on the air. But yeah, it's just, just too many. But there are yeah, some- there's too many, and we've wasted too much time rambling about Seinfeld. I take blame for that, by the way. <laughs> I take blame for that. I take responsibility. But just trust that I read them all, and you made me smile. And we appreciate them because they really do make a difference. The point of this, if maybe you missed the point of this before, was that we'd had a bunch of virus deniers try to overwhelm the ratings and the reviews. You know, they were offended that um, I suggested you're you're not as safe playing a contact sport in the middle of a pandemic as you would be not playing a contact sport in the middle of a pandemic. Doesn't mean I, I don't think we should be playing college basketball and doing our best, but like we don't have to lie to each other and 
for whatever reason that it, that bothers some people. So I asked, like genuinely uh, just asked, please, begged, um, hey, if you guys could offset that, that would really be cool. And you came through even stronger than I thought you would. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't read all of them, but I did pull a few of them. And we'll start with this one from Mike108010. He wrote, love the podcast, really look forward to listening to it. You guys obviously spend a lot of time researching college basketball. You have a great feel for the game. Liked your grammar session yesterday, but a question for Mr. Parrish. You guys mentioned you hate the apostrophe S on Christmas cards, something I had never thought of, thought about, but is obviously a common mistake. But you mentioned that on a house sign, you've seen it. Wouldn't the apostrophe S be appropriate on a house sign as you own the house so the possessive would be correct? And I thought about this, and I think if the sign said this home, this is the parish's home, then yes, you're going apostrophe S. But that wasn't the sign. The sign was more like happy holidays from the parishes. And if it's happy holidays from the parishes, you cannot have that apostrophe in there. So like anything else, Nolander, correct me if I'm wrong, it just comes down to, to what you're actually trying to say. And if it's happy holidays from the parishes, Merry Christmas from the Norlanders, you cannot have that apostrophe. But if it's, but if it's this is the parish's house, then you use the apostrophe, but why on earth would we have a sign that says this is announcing ownership of our house? I believe you if you did that. I can answer this question. We have a sign in our house when you walk in that says, uh, welcome to the Norlanders, and there is oh. no and there is no apostrophe. It's I know I understand what he's saying, and I encourage this. By the way, this isn't a grammar grievance, this is just a grammar deal, by the way. My wife bought, got a bunch of Lego Lego for our children. Lego is the plural of Lego. But I think that's a lost cause. I think that is so deep into the vernacular of this country and the world that Lego is going to be referred to as Legos in the plural. But just so you know, Lego is the plural of Lego. Well, um, let me ask you this. Welcome to the Norlanders. What does that imply? The Norlanders home. Are you sure you don't need an apostrophe? I don't think so. I think you might. I don't think so. The implication is welcome to our home, the Norland. But I don't have I don't have the noun after it. This is a good question. I this is what I want in the reviews. By the way, I'm but it's willing. Not well, to- welcome to the Norland is like welcome to our family. That's not what it is. It's welcome to our home. That's the implication. It's true. And if it's your home, I think you need an apostrophe on that sign, Norlander. We might need it. We might need somebody to I come think, in. I think it, I think it's it. an incomplete sentence, and that's the problem here. But I do appreciate the question. What else you got? I, I think you need an apostrophe. We're going to revisit this one. Okay. This one comes from Oompa Loompa Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love Oompa Loompa Dog. GP and Norlander, y'all are the best college basketball podcast out there, and I listen to every episode. Thanks for the entertainment through a crazy 2020. I must say, though, I'm a bit disappointed mm. that with a podcast that mentions camel fighting and leaky black every episode, it wasn't pointed out that NC State beat the camel fighting camels and the leaky black Tar Heels in back-to-back games this past week. Definitely deserves a shout in my book. Thanks again and happy holidays, Mick Cronin for president. That's from Oompa Loompa Dog. He's right or she's right. It is true. NC State beat the Fighting Camels two Saturdays ago. Then they beat Leaky Black last Tuesday. Shouts to Cat Barber. Shouts to CJ Leslie. I was going to completely forget to bring this up on the podcast, but it just reminded me. And people that saw the tweet know. But how ridiculous is this? I go and meet up with my family on Christmas Eve so they can, you know, they can see my, my boys and give them Christmas gifts. And 
one of my brothers shows up in a damn fighting camel's hoodie. He has never listened to this podcast. He doesn't, he has no idea that this is a thing. He just, he bought, he showed me, he just, he just, he loves certain mascots and monikers. So he bought, he loves Oklahoma's colors. He got an Oklahoma, he got a Campbell, he got a Delaware State, loves the Delaware State Hornets, but he just happened to show up at this get together with a fighting camel's hoodie. How crazy is that? Insane, right? That can't be. It's true. I'm, I promise you, he has never listened to this podcast once in his life. Because uh, I was explaining, he just like he didn't know what he was doing. I was like, "Do you think this is funny?" Like, and he was he didn't know. I was like, "You realize this is a thing on the podcast that I do three times a week?" He's like, "No, he doesn't listen to the podcast. He, it's just not. He's not a podcast listener." So it was just incredible. I tweeted at GP when this all happened. A photo of my brother in this Campbell fighting camel's hoodie. It was just a, a total. Amazing instance of the universe playing a, a playful prank on you. So jo- jokes, jokes going to be on you when he shows up Thanksgiving in a, a autographed Terry Teagle jersey. <laughs> if that if that happens, absolutely forget about it. All right, real then, quick. Then you then you know. Okay, next one's from Jack okay. Wesner. He says, "Hey guys, I'm a 13 year old kid that loves college basketball. Your podcast has helped my knowledge of of it go way up. I love the podcast. Keep up the great work." I, I just think it's cool that a 13 year old kid is listening. Like I have a teenage son who, like your brother. I don't think has any idea that the Iron College Basketball Podcast even exists. And if he did, he would pretend that he didn't. He has no interest. I'm not even sure he, he – I don't know if he knows anything about a top 25 and one. He knows I'm on TV because he's seen me in, on TV and he's been in the studio. And he knows I'm on radio because, like, his teachers will point it out to him. But – I don't think he listens to radio. I know he doesn't follow college basketball. I'm not sure that he has ever heard a second of the podcast, but uh, Jack Wesner has. So hopefully my younger sons will grow up to be more like Jack Wesner. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks, Jack. And uh, keep your grades up. I know it's hard trying to uh, learn in the middle of a pandemic, but especially the dumbest pandemic in my lifetime. But uh, keep your grades up, stay focused, and we'll be here for you. Next one comes from Troy in Philly. It says, if you have any interest in college basketball, this podcast is for you. There is comprehensive, in-depth reporting on the teams and players making the biggest impact each season, mixed with fantastic, hilarious antidotes about coaches, players, or other media personalities. Beyond that, there are also very funny pop culture or current event non-sequiturs sometimes about camel fighting and a general acknowledgement of science and the impact of things of things like what Gary Parish rightly calls the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Come for the basketball, stay for the hilarity, and just accept that if you're a Tar Heel fan like myself, they'll tease a desire to talk about Leaky Black, but then not appropriately acknowledge the Heels throughout the rest of the pod in favor of teams like Kentucky or Duke. That's Troy and Philly. You know what? I'm going to cop this. We do not talk about Leaky Black as much as you think we 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 would, and and it's possible. I mean, it's undeniable. We do not spend as much time on North Carolina as we do Duke or Kentucky. I apologize, Detroit and Philly. Yeah, it's inevitable. Are right, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. What you got? First of all, two things. I, I know you saw this review. I want. We got a one-star review from someone called Hoop Guru. Says Hoop Guru says I can't listen to this since Jeff Borzello left. He was the best. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I GP, I'm dead serious on this. I'm at I'm at like 93% confidence that's Jeff Goodman. 93% confidence. You with me? You on think that? Jeff Goodman left that review? Yeah, I do. Oh uh, well, it, I do. I, I think I that was him. Know, I would say this. It sounds like exactly something he would do. Yes, but I don't know if he I'm did. I'm on to you. No, that's him. I, I'm 
extremely co- I'm more confident that's Goodman than Gonzaga's going undefeated. What you think he's jealous that with one podcast we get more listeners than his entire podcast company combined? You think that's what it is? Oh, okay, you said it. All right, my the review though, I just I mean, you think it's you think it's because he started an entire podcast company and they got 50,000 podcasts and all we have to do is do this 3 times a week with just the two of us and we get more listeners. You think that's what bothers him? All right. We love, Rob, me, we love Rob, though. We love Rob. All right, the review that I'm going to highlight, though, that's a good one. That's a five-star one. I just love the way yeah, this— why do, no, let me stop you. What? We can't just throw this out there and move on. Why do you think that's really Jeff Goodman? Because it's something he would do. Oh, it's definitely something it's he would something do. It's something he would do, <laughs> and it's got multiple exclamation points, which is definitely a Goodman staple in text messages. I just—I I got, I got the feeling on this one. Just a hunch. I could be wrong. If you if you left it, you're listening to this, and it was you. Let us know. If it was if the last sentence said um, I uh, I haven't list I haven't been able to li- if it said this I haven't been able to listen since Jeff Barzello left. He was the best. He was so damn cool. I would know it's Goodman. Goodman loves to tell you when things are so damn quote so damn so cool. damn cool. So Le- damn cool. Leader. Yeah. Um. All right. Here's the podcast review I wanted to highlight, and then we can scoot on out of here. Because I love the way it was written, and this is, and uh, I'm gonna just gonna say uh, earmuffs if if need be. Uh, not that this oh, is God. that bad. Just Jack, ear- Jack Wesner. No, Turn it down for a second. He's yeah, yeah, Jack, Jack, Jack. You can you can bail out of here. This isn't that Jack, bad. But just Jack's in case, th- just in case. Okay. I just told you about 13 year old Jack, and now you're like, well, let me cuss a little bit. At no, the there's end. no cussing, no cussing. Just an earmuff, just a quick earmuff situation. Just it's not even that bad. But just in case, this is from Joseph Socks. Okay. Five stars. He goes, I'm giving this five stars, but seriously, what's with all the basketball talk? I'm here to listen to GP give reasonable critiques about how the sport is handling COVID while Norlander agrees so I can get angry about it on my drive to work. And they keep having in-depth conversations about Baylor and Gonzaga's Ken Palm (laughs) stats and Duke and Kentucky struggles. What gives? Also, there has been zero endorsement of premarital sex for months, and I'm beginning to question Parrish's commitment to the cause. Here's the part where I say I'm unsubscribing without actually unsubscribing. Go Irish, <laughs> go Heels. Joseph Sox, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful review. I love the snark, and I had to highlight you on this podcast. Yeah, we haven't uh, spoken up in favor of premarital sex much lately. Um, you become a little qu- quieter about that when your ton, your oldest son is 17 with a girlfriend. <laughs> Suddenly, you find yourself not that in favor of premarital sex anymore. <laughs> oh, how the turntables. I see what I did there. I quoted a popular sitcom and went to a, a pop culture reference there. Yeah. yeah. I was but you were right. earlier criticism at you. There we go. See, it's all, it's all connected. But your point is well taken. A year ago, it was, it was a different situation for, uh, for old GP. But now... Not, uh, not so in favor of it, are we? Yeah, yeah. I had a, a year ago, I had a 16-year-old who just sat in his room and studied all the time. Now I got a 17-year-old who, yeah, still studies all the time, but also has a girlfriend. So, listen, between us, like I said, he'll, he'll never hear this. Between us, I'm still very much pro-premarital sex. <laughs> okay. Uh, but not not within my home. <laughs> Not, not what I want for what I wanted for me once upon a time mm. is not what I want for my children right now. All right, fair enough. All right, you want to get out of here? God, do I want to get out of here? Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Larnell, and thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the most idiotic pandemic I ever seen. I haven't seen. I've been on this earth 43 years. 
I ain't never seen a pandemic this dumb. So thank you guys for listening in the middle of the dumb pandemic. And if you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Pies. While you're there, uh, please rate it properly. Five stars. Leave a nice comment. And sincerely, all jokes aside, if you're somebody who did take the time, because I know like it does take a minute or two or five if you're really typing out a paragraph. Um, means the world. Um, our bosses notice it. We notice it. Cannot thank you enough for listening. Sure. But also taking the time to help us out when we, we needed some help. So thank you. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday morning. Till then, take care.